0: Welcome to the Buford Sermons Podcast, where we care about the things you care about. For more information or to donate to this ministry, please visit www.fbcbuford.org. Amen, church. If you are thankful for the blood that Christ shared for us this morning, I didn't even have to tell you to put your hands together. Y'all thankful this morning. Amen, amen. If you have a seat, please take out your Bibles and turn to... 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 31 through 33. Pastor Jerry is going to come to preach this morning to us about what we care about this morning. And that's providing great experiences. And the Bible reads like this. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews or Greeks. Or of the church of God, even as I try to please everyone in every way, for I am not seeking my own, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. May the Lord add a blessing to the hearers and doers of His word.
1: Well, if you've been with us, then you'll know that we have been in a series entitled We Care The Values That Drive Us. In other words, what is it about our church that we want people to see? When people think of our church and our community, what do we want them to think of what values do we want them to know define us and what values should we be able to expect of one another in our fellowship we've already talked about the fact that we care about each other we care about growth we care about Buford and today's value is that we care about delivering great experiences now I realized that at first glance, this one may seem abstract, maybe even superficial. I'll admit to you that as our team was kind of wrestling with this idea that we really thought was important, it was a little bit hard to kind of put our finger on exactly what we meant. The more we kind of hashed it out, the more we realized that this is a defining characteristic of who we are and who we want to be. Uh, hopefully by the end of this message you're going to see that delivering great experiences is vital to our physical and spiritual growth as a church so Luther so eloquently read 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 31 through 33 and I want to throw that back up on the screen because the first thing that I want you to notice is verse 31 so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do do it all for the glory of of God. So the first thing I want us to look at this morning is that delivering great experiences is about focus. It's about focus. Now I realize that the first thing that probably comes to your mind when I say that we want to deliver great experiences is probably you know the lights and the, 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 the projectors and the cameras and all of those things that you know like to Go wrong and flicker in and out in the middle of the worship service, and all that kind of stuff, and uh, of course those do play an important part in delivering a, a great experience on Sunday mornings, nights of worship, wind shaped camps, you know all the things that we try to do that are events that we are inviting people into to see what we 're about and that 's obviously a part of delivering great experiences, but really the the, uh, the, the lights and the cameras and the projectors and the instruments and the, the sound system and all of these things are really just a byproduct of a mindset that we want to have when it comes to delivering great experiences. Because, you know, the early church, they didn't have any of these things, but they still cared about delivering great experiences. They didn't have lights or air conditioning or comfy chairs, and in some cases, they didn't even have a building So when we say that we care about delivering great experiences the question is how are we going to connect that value to the scriptures? And it's because that even though the early church did not have the things that we have they had one thing that we can still have and that's focus. Acts chapter 2 and verse 42. This has kind of been a passage that we've read a lot of times in the last Few months. It was kind of the. It's been kind of the theme of this whole series. It was the theme of the ladies' night. It's been a theme for a lot of things that we've been doing in the last few months, and it makes sense because we want to model what we're doing today off of what was ordained by God in the early church. We want to look at what was working in the early church and in our context and in our day, replicate what they were doing. So. they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now let me ask you this isn't isn't this the kind of community that you want to be a part of? I mean I know I want to be a part of a community like this these people they were taking care of each other they were in tune with the word of God they were they were open they were teachable they were filled with awe at the wonders that God was performing among them this is an amazing picture of what the church can be and yet they had not even a fraction of the resources that we have today so what made them successful in this time at delivering great experiences even without all the bells and whistles that we have today well it was that they were laser focused on their mission they leveraged whatever they had for the glory of God and the good of the community and that's the kind of church that we want to be in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 17 it says and whatever you do whether in word or deed do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him Uh, March of 2020 was quite an interesting month for us as I'm sure it was for you I remember Stephen called me on, I think it was a Friday, and he, I answered the phone and he said, hey man, uh, have you been watching the news? And I said, no, you know I don't watch the news. And he said, okay, well, I think we're going to have to cancel church on Sunday. And I said, what do you mean? I think the weather's going to be fine. Like, I think we're good. And he said, no. He said, I'm talking about, you know, this, this sickness, this COVID thing that's going on. And I'm like... We're going to cancel a service because some people are getting sick? Like, what? He said, yeah, we are. So, of course, then I went and read up on what was happening, and we had to figure something out, right? And so we came up here on that Saturday, and Stephen sat on some platforms right here, and I pulled out the little lights that we had back there in the back, and, you know, I'm adjusting them, and we got him where he was supposed to, and he preached just like that with the, equipment we had and we just threw something together but as we realized that this was probably gonna last longer than just a couple of weeks you know 14 days to slow the spread turned into like what two and a half years to slow the spread Um, so, so as we realized that this was probably gonna be something that we needed to get a little bit better at because this was gonna be longer than a couple of weeks we really had a decision to make we we kinda gathered as a staff and I remember the staff meeting, we sat in the connect room that's right outside here in the lobby. And we sat in our chairs. And I remember we prayed together and then we just said, whatever we have to do to reach our people, to minister to our people, and to do what God's called us to do in this community, that's what we want to do in this moment. And so it doesn't really matter what what our comfort level is with certain things—it doesn't matter if we feel like we're prepared for this online experience stuff. Like we, I mean, I'm, I'm okay with technology and things like that. But as far as live streaming services and broadcasting, thing, like I don't know anything about that. I'm from Rossville, Georgia. We don't know anything about that. So, but I remember. Our hearts were just joined together, and we said, "Whatever we've got to do during this time to minister to our community and our church, that's what we want to do." And so we started um, expanding on the things that we were doing, and you know we said, "Well, we don't want to just come in here and preach to an empty room." So I remember driving by the, uh, a set of abandoned railroad tracks, and I called Stephen and I said, "Hey." I just had this great idea, I drove by some abandoned railroad tracks and I don't know what we can preach on that will have anything to do with abandoned railroad tracks but we got to figure it out because it would be awesome. And so we did, we met together and we you know, we did the whole thing and we went and we recorded and we were just trying to minister to people. But I tell you all that to tell you that this past Sunday I was sitting in a committee meeting and with some incredible servants in our church and I was just hearing some stories about things that our online ministry has accomplished. There was one gentleman who was telling me that just recently he shared our online service with some folks that he knew or without a church or between churches, and he said that he felt confident to share our online ministry with them because of its quality. And and then I was talking to uh, some folks, and they were sharing with me that There are some of our senior saints who aren't physically able to get to the building anymore. And what a blessing that our online ministry has been to them. And this week I was just thinking about that. And thinking about the fact that when we started all of this. When we started trying to put our stuff online and, and minister in that way. Maybe in the back of our mind somewhere we were thinking, you know, that this would be a front door for our church, and people would go watch it before they came to our service. But the truth is, there's many of you here today who are here because you watched this online first, and then you came to our service. And and of course, I knew that it would be a ministry to some of our senior saints during the COVID time, but I, I didn't really think about the fact that it would be almost a lifeline for many of them to remain connected to our community even though they can't physically get here and I'm telling you all of this to tell you one thing and that is that we don't have the ability to control the impact of our efforts so we must control the quality of our efforts we had no idea what all God was gonna do with our online ministry frankly we still don't know all that God's gonna do with our online ministry and is it like the best of the best and no of course it's not we're doing the best that we can with what we have and that's what God's called us to do and that's what we mean when we say we're delivering great experiences is we're giving God the very best that we have in the moment to complete the mission that he's called us to complete we don't have control over the impact of our efforts and so we must control the quality of our efforts and give our very best in every opportunity Why do we work so hard to deliver great experiences? Because you never know what the trickle-down effect will be. Every Sunday has a ripple effect. Every song, every message, every interaction has a ripple effect. If you lead a life group or a lead group, every session has a ripple effect. If you work in our kids or student areas, it all has a ripple effect. And we want to give our very best to whatever... Excuse me, we want to give our very best so that whatever the ripple effects are, we can say that we gave everything we had for the glory of God. Colossians 3 23 and 24, it says, Whatever you do, work at it. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. We're not just living, we're living on mission we're not just existing God's called us to flourish in our faith to use every moment that he gives us for his glory whether we're talking corporately or individually we have a command to give our best in everything that we do now I want you to remember that the book of Colossians was written by the Apostle Paul and that's important because as you may know, Paul was the greatest evangelist that ever lived, outside of Jesus, of course. But he was, he was also beaten to within an inch of his life multiple times. He was shipwrecked falsely accused, and spent a ton of time in jail because he was preaching the good news about Jesus. And this is the guy that's telling us that whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, working for the Lord, not for human masters. Don't you think that Paul was probably tempted at times when he knew that what he was about to do was going to get him thrown in jail to maybe back off a little bit? Maybe say, well, I'm going to go share that part of the gospel message that doesn't get me thrown in jail. And leave the other part out. This is who we're talking about, and yet he says, no, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, no matter the consequences and no matter the ripple effect. So, when we say that we care about delivering great experiences, we're not saying that people should never be uncomfortable. We're not saying that it's the church's job to make the gospel more palatable. A more palatable gospel. Is a gospel without power. Anytime we try to dilute. The gospel of Jesus Christ. By taking out the fact that we are sinners. There are so many people. That I have heard in recent days. That are trying to share the gospel. But with the premise that we're all just born good. We're born and we're inherently good. Well if you're inherently good. You don't need a savior. No we're inherently bad. We have broken the law of God. If you don't believe me, go look at God's standard in the Ten Commandments. Have you lied? Have you stolen? Have you looked at somebody in a way that you shouldn't have looked at them? Have you envied something that somebody else had? Of course you have. We all have. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Now that's not popular and that's not fun to think about. But the fact is that we are all sinners separated from God, but God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to the earth to live a sinless life, to die on the cross, and to raise again three days later so that we could have a relationship with Him. But you cannot leave out the sinner part. Or we can't try to make the gospel more palatable, or... We should also not work so hard for people to have a great experience at the church that we fail to confront them with the truth. In fact, we mean the opposite, which leads me to my next point, that delivering great experiences is about friends. Let's throw up 1 Corinthians chapter 10 again. I want us to look at verse 32. It says, Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the church of God. Even as I try to please everyone in every way, for I'm not seeking my own good, but the good of the many. <clears throat> now, you know, a couple of weeks ago I, I preached on the fact that we care about growth and how important the Word of God is. And so I thought today, this, would be a, this is a great passage for me to just take a minute to say that if you were to pluck verse number 33 out of its context in this passage, you could make it mean just about anything you want it to mean, right? So if we just take out verse 33, Paul says, even as I try to please everyone in every way. Now we could take this out of context here, couldn't we? And we could say, well, we don't want to share the... fact that people are sinners because we're trying to please everyone in every way. We, we don't want to confront that person with their sin because we want to please everyone in every way. And and we could take this passage and take it out of its context and make it mean just about anything that we wanted it to mean. So the question is, how when we encounter passages like this that are maybe confusing or Uh, obscure or they're difficult to understand how what's the process we can go through to make sure that we have an appropriate reading of the text well the first thing that we do that I always do that I think it's necessary Because the Holy Spirit is the one that illuminates the Word of God to the believer. And so the first thing that we need to do when we encounter a passage that we don't really understand is we need to pray that God will guide our hearts as we read it again and again and again. So let's do that. Father, I pray that you would help us to understand this passage on on a deeper level. Help us to understand exactly what you meant by this passage Lord, keep me from imposing my own biases on the text. I don't want to read into the text. I want to get you out of the text and into me. So, Father, I pray that you would help me to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. So, anytime you encounter a text that you're unfamiliar with or you don't know exactly what it means, that's the perfect first step. But then we want to read not just the phrase that we don't understand, but we want to look at the the context that's immediately surrounding it. So... The, the whole passage. So let's do that. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the church of God. So obviously when he says, even as I try to please everyone in every way, he's also referring to the fact that he doesn't want to cause people to stumble. So pleasing people in this context has something to do with not causing people to stumble. Now what are... What is he saying? He doesn't want people to stumble over. Why does he not want people to stumble? It's at the end, so that many may be saved. So, if we read the greater context around this passage, we see that when he says, as I try to please everyone in every way, it has more to do not with condoning sin or condoning all cultural norms or anything like that, It has everything to do with not being a distraction, not being a stumbling block for those who don't believe, so that they will believe. So that's second, that's the second thing you want to do when you encounter a passage that you don't really understand. You read the immediate context, the full passage. But then from there, you want to go to reading the whole chapter. I'm not gonna do that. And then the whole book. I'm not gonna do that. And then eventually, you want to read the whole Bible. Because the 10,000-foot view is every bit as important as the 10-foot view. I don't know where I was going with that. The big picture is just as important as what's immediately in front of you. Don't miss the forest for the trees, but don't miss the trees for the forest either, right? So I'm not going to go back and read the whole chapter, but I do want to go back just a few verses and we're going to continue on as we think about this idea of delivering great experiences as about friends. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 23, it says, Paul says, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. Now, when Paul says here that you have the right to do anything, again, it's about context. See, in this context, Paul is talking about there's some conflict in the church at Corinth here. And there's some people who are from a Jewish background that say that you you need to still eat kosher. Or there's... There's some sacrificing going on and people eating certain meat that people don't think you should eat, that it's, a, it's, a, it's an abomination to God to eat that type of meat. And then there are people from Greek culture who have no problem eating that kind of meat. And so what Paul is basically saying here is whatever he wants to eat, he can eat and still be in right standing with God. If he eats this meat that some people in the church says is an abomination well he's still in right standing with God but he might not have the influence that he wants to have with people so he's saying it's not a matter of whether I can technically in my Christian freedom partake of this meat I can eat it and still be in right standing with God but I can't eat it and still have influence over these people over here that I want to lead to the gospel you can apply that in many, 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 many ways that I'm not going to get into this morning but I want you to think about those things in your life that maybe you say people have challenged you on maybe things you eat, maybe things you drink maybe places you go, maybe language you use that technically if you eat it or drink it or use the language or go to the place or is it going to mean that you're not no longer in right standing with God? well maybe not but does it mean that you don't have influence over those people over there that you want to lead to Christ? If so, then it's still wrong. It still goes against our calling. Because delivering great experiences is about friends. And, and Okay, so he's saying here that we shouldn't accept any and all cultural norms in order that we might have influence with people. He's not saying accept everything... Everything in the culture, except it all, so that you can have influence with people. No, he's not saying that. But what he is saying is that when we have the opportunity to sacrifice our comfort or our preferences so that we can have influence with people, we must be willing to do it. Why? Because of verse 24 no one should seek their own good but the good of others. Now, again, When we talk about delivering great experiences, there's the temptation to begin to think that we're doing this just so that we can feel good about ourselves. Did you know that it's possible to do the right thing for the wrong reasons? There are many churches and many people who are passionate about giving their absolute best, but it ends up being motivated by money or power or platform. You know, I bet that in many cases, it doesn't start out with poor motivation. But it ends up that way if we're not daily submitting ourselves to the Lord Jesus. And Jesus talks about these kinds of people in Matthew chapter 23. He says, "'Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites!' you're like whitewashed tombs which look beautiful on the outside but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean in the same way on the outside you appear to people as righteous but on the inside you're full of hypocrisy and wickedness Jesus is looking at teachers of the law here these would be pastors in this day and he says You look righteous on the outside. You do all of the things that make people think that you're a righteous person. On the inside, you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. You are dead on the inside like a whitewashed tomb. And so this is a really, really, really important element of delivering great experiences. Because we must give our best not for the glory from others we give our best for the good of others we don't share our faith and serve in our community so that we can post it on social media now is there anything wrong with posting what God's doing in our church or in your life personally or for a friend or with their permission of course but is there anything wrong with posting things on social media, or even by word of mouth, sharing what God's doing? Well, of course not. The question is this. Are you serving in that way so that you can post on social media? Are you serving in that way so that people will say, oh, look at what a great guy Jared is. My goodness. People don't say that very often, I'm sure, but look at what a great guy Jared is man look at what he posted on social media I mean he's doing some awesome things good for him we don't deliver great experiences for the glory from others we do it for the good of others see it's a question of why more than what Because even if you get the what right But you don't get the why right Then we're still lost And here's why Because the more you seek glory from others The less good you can do for them If you are so constantly Consumed With receiving approval And with receiving significance And with receiving your standing in life from someone or from the culture then you're going to be a lot more cautious about sharing the truth with them if you're seeking approval from someone you don't want to tell them that they're lost if you're seeking approval from someone you don't want to tell them that they're a sinner in need of a savior if you're seeking approval from someone let, let me just Practically, parents, if you're seeking the approval of your children, are you going to discipline them very well? No, probably not. And so a good parent doesn't doesn't seek the approval from their children. They seek the good of their children. And sometimes that means doing things and leading in a particular direction that the kid is not very appreciative for but you know it's gonna benefit them in the long run because the more we seek glory from others the less good we can do for them delivering great experiences does not mean that we will be afraid to challenge people with the truth and confront them with the gospel it merely means that we are committed to removing any barriers we can to people encountering God now I try to live by this I don't know if I, I I know I don't always live by this, but something I really deeply desire to live by is that if someone hears a message that I preach, if somebody hears something that I say from the pulpit that is based in the Word of God, that I believe God has called me to preach and called me to say, if somebody gets angry at me for that, then I hate that, but there's really nothing I can do about it, nor is there really anything that I want to do about it. God's called me to preach his word. It is eternal truth. And if somebody wants to get mad at the word of God, then there's nothing I can do about that. But if I am a stumbling block to somebody because of a flippant opinion, whether in the pulpit, out of the pulpit, whatever, if I am ungracious, if I am unkind, if I have an opinion about something that doesn't matter and I hold it up as this thing that has eternal value then I'm wrong and I have become a stumbling block have you ever been eating with somebody and you're sitting across the table from them and they're really intently talking about something and they are just into it they're passionate about what they're talking about and, and you're listening and about halfway through though you notice that there's a piece of broccoli in their teeth or something like that. I mean, it just looks like they got a tree trunk coming out of their mouth. And they have no idea. And you're just sitting there and the whole time they're talking, you're trying to listen, but, but in your head you're like, man, man, do I say anything? Do I stop them? Is that the respectful thing to do? Is that rude for me to do? Should I stop them and say, hey, you got something in your teeth? Or... Or is it more rude to not say anything and then get to their car and look in the mirror and say, they let me sit there with that thing in my teeth all the whole time. And you're sitting here processing this in your brain, and all of a sudden you realize they've stopped talking. And they're looking at you, and they're waiting on you to say something. But you have no idea what they just said. In the same way, I never want to be that distraction that keeps people from hearing the Word of God I never want I don't want my actions or my opinions about things that don't matter to get in the way of somebody coming to faith in Jesus Christ and that's what we mean by delivering great experiences because ultimately and this is the last point delivering great experiences is about forever look at first Corinthians chapter 10 verse 33 I'm almost done here look at the last sentence why does he say to do this he says for I'm not seeking my own good but the good of the many so that they may be saved look at Acts chapter 2 verse 47 they did all of this they were focused they were about others They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the breaking of bread, all of these things that they were doing in the early church. Why were they doing it? Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Delivering great experiences is about forever because forever is at stake when we come into contact with somebody and we are a stumbling block to them we have just risked forever for them for whatever it is that we're standing on see our message is simple John three sixteen. 16 you may know it and if you don't I hope you'll hear it and respond to it this morning It says, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. This is the message that we proclaim. It's about the blood of Jesus. That when He died on the cross, the blood that He spilled was blood that I should have spilled but I don't have to because he took my punishment for me and then he was buried in a tomb and three days later he got up from the dead I don't know if you know this but that's not a common occurrence Jesus Christ is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who gave up heaven's throne To come to the earth, to be born of a virgin, to live a sinless life, to die on the cross and raise again three days later for no other reason than to create a path to God for you and for me. There is no way to heaven outside of Christ and there is no way to have a relationship with your creator outside of Christ. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life and nobody comes to the Father except through me. is the way that you and I as believers is the way that we're living our lives distracting people from hearing this message when we say that we care about delivering great experiences we certainly mean the events we certainly mean putting our best foot forward in everything that we do but ultimately what we really mean is that Every experience that we have with people, from the staff, to leadership, to volunteers, to folks that are just visiting. We want people's experience with us as people to be not, oh, what an interesting church that is. Oh man, I really like how Jared talks about the Bible, and I really like that illustration that he had. And you know, all that's fine, but what I really want you to walk away with is this. And if you don't walk away with this, then I've been a distraction. This ultimately is the only message that matters. That people turn from their sin and trust in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. In our efforts to communicate this message, we must focus our energy on giving God the very best in every endeavor, removing as many obstacles to the gospel as possible, and living our lives for the good of others. So let me ask you these few questions and I'm done. When people see us worship as a church, do they believe that we love Jesus more than anything else? when they see us serve are they pointed to Christ when they hear us talk can they tell that we're children of God when they see our love for one another are they inspired to draw close to us and when your kids and grandkids watch us prioritize our lives are they convinced of our love for Jesus we're talking about delivering great experiences and there's probably nowhere that this is more imperative than at home I promise I'm almost done but I've I've got I've got to say this because it's something that God's deeply working in my heart about every day is about delivering an experience to our kids to teach them this message what experiences are we putting emphasis on in our homes are we putting most of our emphasis on our children's academic experience are we putting the emphasis on their athletic experience what experiences are we prioritizing in our homes because I gotta tell you something Until they have an experience with the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord, there's not anything else that you can teach them that matters. What is their experience at home? So this morning, you may not be a believer and you may have never trusted in Christ. I want you to know that God so loved you that he gave his son on a cross for you and he's waiting with open arms to extend the hand of friendship to you all you have to do is admit that you're a sinner pray and ask God to come into your heart and life and save you not because of anything you've done but because of what Jesus Christ did for you secondly if you are a believer I just want to ask you this one simple question this one application question when people come in contact with you does their experience point them to Jesus let's pray father thank you for your word thank you for truth I praise you that it never changes and God I pray for those in the room this morning that don't know you I pray that somehow they've heard the gospel this morning and have a desire to respond and for those of us who have trusted in you as our Savior and Lord God, I pray you would just help us to remember that every moment is an opportunity to point somebody toward or away from Christ and help us to live delivering great experiences. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.
0: We hope that you have been blessed and challenged by this message. If you have questions, prayer requests, or want to know more about how to follow Jesus, please check us out at fbcbuford.org.